Hey, welcome to our uh, industry keynote chat. Uh, I'm Daniel Pickett, the uh, Chief Technology and Data Officer at FreightWaves, and joining me here is Mark Yeager, the CEO of Redwood. Uh, we're we're going to talk a little bit about growing a sustainable supply chain. So welcome, Mark. Uh, thanks, Daniel. Great to be here. Well, uh, you know, we're excited to have you guys, especially from Redwood, tell us about what's happening uh, around sustainability. I guess, tell me a little bit about what you're seeing from the customer demand side. You know, we know everybody loves to say they're sustainable when they save money because of, you know, lower fuel prices or whatever. Are, are we getting to a place where this is an important feature for, for customers yet? Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a very important um, uh, feature for customers right now. Uh, it's very much uh, front and center. I think in a way that that historically um, it never has been before. So I think sustainability is becoming a critical issue. Um, a lot of our shippers are are hearing about sustainability. You know, from there, the ultimate consumer is very concerned about sustainability, and and I also think that. Um, we're starting to see uh, real involvement from the investor community, really looking for meaningful carbon reduction efforts. And, and our shippers really want to step up and do what they can in a pragmatic and practical way to reduce their carbon footprint. You know, the, the debate has always raged, are people willing to pay for it, right? And I think that's always been a question. And um, the good news is that that a lot of a lot of activities and a lot of initiatives that can help you reduce your carbon footprint can also save money at the same time. So whether you're talking about modal conversion or you know consolidation from parcel to LTL or LTL to truckload, you know these are things that have both environmental benefits, um, but also you know help you hit your budget and help you reduce cost over the course of time. Um, I also think people are more willing now to make some expenditures toward reducing their carbon footprint. You know, not everybody's ready to hire a chief sustainability officer. But, you know, uh, for example, we're seeing a lot of folks who are willing to step up and purchase carbon offsets um, in order to uh, get closer to that net zero goal. Um, so while I believe that folks aren't willing to pay a disproportionate amount to go green, there's a lot of strategies that we can implement at relatively low cost that help us have a meaningful input on carbon emissions. Uh, that, that's fantastic. Um, do, do you feel like it's going to be economics or, or is it going to be federal policy or, or, or state by state going to, uh, to, to really you know, provide the cattle, provide the push to get, uh, you know, I, I guess, more shippers to, to be thinking about the way some of these these forward ones you're working with are? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question. Right. And, and clearly the economics have to be there. And um, we're still a long ways away with many of these strategies from making it economically viable, right? So there's still um, uh, a, a lot of effort that needs to be done, a lot of uh, innovation that's necessary to make things like electric vehicles, you know, a real practical substitute for diesel. Um, but at the same time, you know, I do believe that uh, uh, that 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 we're at a point where you know, public perception has has shifted in favor of sustainability. There's real concern out there um, among the public. And it's probably going to take, you know, a joint effort, right? I don't think the answer is completely federal or state regulation. You know, at the same time, we should recognize that, you know, regulation does play a role and it can incentivize behavior if it's properly constructed. You know, I grew up in Chicago in the 1970s and I remember what the Chicago River was like and what driving down the street was like and all the all the litter and, and how polluted, you know, the river was. And, you know, there was a real change in public perception at that time, but there was also an engagement at a state and federal level 
um, to clean up our waterways and clean up our, our, our environment in general. And it had a really positive impact. I think that kind of joint effort is going to be what's necessary to really make carbon reduction uh, a sustainable initiative that has a real impact longer term. Sure. Um, have you heard anything about the, you know, from your customers about the SEC uh, potential for re- reporting uh, carbon emissions? And, and, and is that is that a, a motivating factor in some of the customers you've talked to? It is. I think, you know, I think that, that you, you know, certainly when, when, when you're faced with some type of a, a federal mandate, right, it's going to drive some behavior. You know, realistically, it only applies to a relatively select, you know, group of companies. But I think folks can see that in some ways the writing's on the wall, right? That that whether it's coming from the SEC or whether it's coming from their own customers or the investors or their private equity partners, whoever it happens to be, folks are looking for um, very real initiative to quantify, which is where it all starts, you know, quantifying your carbon footprint. And then, and then you know, going down the path of, of, of um, taking on initiatives that have a real quantifiable benefit and, and real reduction opportunity. So yes, I do think that um, more and more folks are, are looking at, at at the overall momentum, and some of it's coming from government government um, you know forces, and some of it's coming from the private sector, and that's likely to have um, more of them taking this seriously. You know, at the same time, you know, most shippers can't afford to go out and and hire significant outside resources. They certainly don't have those resources on staff, so they're trying to find ways to get you know real baseline calculation. And, and also real momentum going forward to try to get to, you know, real carbon uh, reduction initiatives that, that they can, you know, fit within their budget, but also have a real impact on, on, their, on their footprint. Yeah. So, well, well, as a third party logistics provider, you don't, you don't design the packaging or the product. You don't own the equipment. So it seems like you don't have a, a great deal of control over, uh, uh, over the you know the, the carbon profile of, of a shipment, but what what role should three PLs uh, you know like Redwood be be playing in you know as as we try to build a greener supply chain? Yeah, look, I I, I think that that you're correct, right? There's a lot of decisions that we don't control. There's a lot of decisions outside of transportation, certainly, um, where a company like Redwood can only have a limited effect, right? But when you look at the most progressive companies, for the most part you know, they've tackled phase one and phase two emissions, right? Phase one is sort of, you know, your direct emissions. And then phase two is all about um, the energy that you're consuming in in the process, right? At the same time, the shippers that have gone down that path have quickly realized that the majority of their carbon emissions are associated with their supply chain. You know, you see a lot of different numbers, but it could be 80. I've read numbers as high as 94% of emissions are up and down the supply chain. And within that segment, you know, transportation is huge. And in fact, I've read a lot of studies that indicate that transportation is actually a bigger component of of, uh, carbon emissions than even energy production itself, uh, which is amazing. And and because of the nature of our elongated supply chain, you know, what we have seen is that transportation is becoming a bigger and bigger piece of the carbon emissions footprint. And... um, in fact, it's projected to grow substantially over the course of the next 20 years if we don't take some real action to try to make it you know, more carbon efficient. So um, what we really want to do is focus there on the things that, that we can control, right? And, and I think that you know, as this has evolved, because it's still early stage, but as this has evolved, 
Um, you know, what we've seen is that is that folks really need help from the beginning assessing that baseline. You know, let's quantify your carbon footprint from a transportation perspective in a way that everyone can rally around and understand. You know, from there, I think a 3PL can really assist in developing real initiatives, um, uh, whether it's tactical around transportation, you know, things like, you know, modal conversion or dynamic consolidation or empty mile reduction. So certainly can help both develop those solutions and work with carriers to implement, track and monitor those solutions as well. You know, what we're also seeing and, and something that's definitely on our right radar screen is offering to uh, the shipper the ability to uh, purchase uh, certified carbon offsets, right, to help them get closer and closer to net zero. Because I think the reality, and, and there's some debate on this in, in the space, but the reality is um, in the near term, it's, it's almost impossible to get to net zero without some type of carbon offset program as part of your sustainability portfolio. It is. Yeah, certainly. Um, and, and so do you do you see that as that's going to be table stakes for for brokers, for, for third party logistics providers is to have this kind of data and, and these kind of options for offsetting? Or is that, you know, is that going to be what, what a minority of, of 3PLs are doing? How, how important is that going to be for, for, for your point of this, your part of the supply chain? Sure, absolutely. You know, I think it's early days to say table stakes. I think eventually we'll get there. Um, but I do think that there is there's a number of progressive 3PLs that have recognized this need. You know, in conversations with their customers, they see that they just don't have the internal resources necessary to, you know, do that initial audit, really come up with sustainable programs and then track and monitor them long term. So I do think we're going to see more and more 3PLs step up in this regard. And it will become an increasing expectation as as shippers start to turn from phase one and phase two to phase three, they're going to look for partners that can really make help them tackle that much bigger and, by the way, much more complicated you know segment of their carbon emissions. Right. It certainly becomes uh, at scope three is where everybody's going to need help uh, and we're going to need collaboration. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's complicated, right? We should all understand that. Absolutely. Uh, you, you talked about some of the most progressive shippers, the ones that maybe their customers or, or their investors kind of uh, have an ESG mandate for them. Um, what, what should shippers who, who maybe are not uh, as far down the path of, of greening their supply chain, what can what can they what actions can they take? What, what innovative approaches have you uh, seen hit the market? You, you know, you talk about modal conversion and consolidation. Um, what else is out there that we haven't heard of yet? Well, I think there's, yeah, there, there, there's a ton of opportunity and it's not too late, right? This is still early stage. Even the most sophisticated shippers are, you know, far from complete on this journey, right? There's no question about it. Um, but what we are seeing is, you know, um, every customer is a little bit different and every supply chain is a little bit different. And, and you know, where we've seen success is where it's, where it's practical and it's pragmatic. So, you know, it starts at the top. You know, it starts with a real commitment to sustainability. Um, in our mind, it then follows with a, a very well thought through and customized baseline to really understand where the opportunities are to reduce your carbon footprint. Um, and then it's sort of tackling piecemeal uh, different kinds of carbon reduction strategies. And, and certainly, you know, one of them that, that for many shippers uh, is modal conversion. Um, and then the different types of, of consolidation. Uh, it goes well beyond that, though. I think there's there's empty mile reduction efforts um, underway um, in 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 many cooperative ventures, right? That that go to not just the the shippers' private fleet, 
but also helping carriers uh, reduce their empty miles and become more efficient, um, reducing wait time, you know, creating um, creating more notice for carriers so that they can better plan their network. And what it really requires is a different type of communication and a different type of transparency between the shipper and the carrier community to really understand where those those buckets of reduction are. Um, able to do so in a way that's that's affordable. You know, not everyone can decide that they're going to convert their private fleet to electric, right? That's a great option for some, but it's beyond the reach for most. So what we have to do is systematically identify where those opportunities are, where they can be um, uh, uh, implemented in a way that's 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 cost effective, right? But but also has a very real quantifiable uh, impact on on reduction efforts. Okay, and then you also talk about offsets, which you know, if you're going to get to zero, you're going to have to do offsets eventually. Is that, um, I have to imagine five years ago, the demand for offsets was next to zero. Where are we today on on uh, people being interested in maybe using offsets as a way to to improve their supply chain emissions? Yeah, you know, I think it's I think it's changing rapidly, right? It's still, once again, I would say early stages. You know, one of the one of the issues with with carbon and, uh, carbon calculation and then and then offsets in general is there's there is a lack of agreed upon standards and I think we're starting to get real progress there. You got some trade groups that are coming together and and really trying to develop standards and averages that are acceptable you know across the board, right? But um, but I think carbon offsets has been an area of of great debate, right? And and trying to differentiate between legitimate carbon offsets and maybe. Maybe offset programs that are that are less impactful is important, right? So we're really recommending that if you're going to undertake offset programs, which we do believe are very much viable, right? Make sure that you're doing it with a partner that that is taking the effort to understand that these are in fact, you know, accredited programs that are being deployed in the areas that um, uh, that are that are genuine and also fit with the overall philosophy of the shipper, you know. I mean, most carbon offset programs we see are all about reforestation or alternative energy. But there's a lot of different programs out there, and and you can cap, you know, go after things like methane capture. Um, I was reading it, you know, just recently about um, MIT is exploring a program where um, they're looking to a carbon offset program that's designed to help emerging countries um, deploy more more fuel efficient uh, equipment to reduce their carbon you know footprint impact. So. It really depends, I think, on the, the shipper's philosophy. You know, uh, we believe that those programs should be very much customized. And if a shipper has a strong preference for, uh, you know, wind energy in Texas, you know, uh, we ought to try to find uh, something that works along those lines. So if folks are more interested in global, you know, there's programs out there for that. But there's also programs available on a more localized basis. So that, that's, that's helpful for, uh, for anyone who's thinking about offsets is to understand all the nuance behind all offsets are not created equal today, um, and 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 the devil's in the details. But but uh, I've read a bit about some of the standardization you mentioned, and that, I think that's going to be a good thing as well. Um, so so tell me uh, how how do shippers start uh, start implementing these programs? You know, do they just call Redwood? Uh, <laughs> how can they effectively kind of implement some of these tools and make headway towards sustainability goals? And and then also, what is Redwood itself doing, not just for customers? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, clearly we take sustainability very seriously and, and we do think that that our shippers um, increasingly are, are taking it serious as well. But it's really tough to get started. You know, 
Even the longest journey, though, starts with the first step. And what we want to do is help is help shippers get past that initial concern, right? It can look daunting. It can look very imposing. And, and the deeper you get into it, the more complex you realize. But, but we think that it really all starts once a shipper has made a commitment to sustainability with establishing that baseline, right? And really looking, you know, past phase one, phase two, and really trying to, to get their head around phase three. And for us, really, it's all about transportation. So how can we help shippers um, understand what that baseline is? And, you know, we're going to be bringing an initiative to bear uh, that we're very excited about that we call Hyperion. And um, it's going to use, uh, we think, some state-of-the-art tools to help in that calculation effort. You know, then we're going to be bringing our executional capability to help quantify, identify, and implement, you know, real solutions that, that are uh, within the reach of our customer base. And from there, we've got some reporting tools that are going to help us really track it. And, and you know, it's a cycle to a certain extent, right? Um, it's, uh, it's all about, you know, tracking your progress and then, and then resetting your targets, you know, re, re, reestablishing that audit baseline and working on new initiatives from there. So it's probably somewhat of a never-ending cycle, you know, but at the same time, it all starts with understanding what your carbon footprint is and what your options are to reduce it. We think Hyperion is going to help our shippers do that um, in, a, in a significant way without um, overly burdensome costs. Mark, uh, thanks for your time. I, I'm excited about uh, anything we can do to, uh, to clean up the supply chain. I, I think what you guys are doing is exciting. And, and you heard it here. Get started today. Take the first step. Absolutely. It all starts with that first step. Awesome. Well, we've got, uh, th thanks so much, Mark. And we've got a ton of more uh, great content coming up today at the uh, Net Zero Carbon Summit. So stay